something just hits a family member. It's like it hits them. It's like, well, it's real. Like, like they're leaving. If this is going to happen, so we have tissues because they definitely get used. Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdale. Welcome to another episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular podcast. My name is Tom. I'm Kriegelstein. I'm your host for today. A fun fact you don't know about me is I almost failed one of my high school math classes because I spent the entire time trying to come up with my own algorithm on my calculator. Sadly, I never came up with that algorithm, so I just barely passed the class. But that's not what we're talking about today, because today I had the, uh, the joy of interviewing Sylvester Gaskin, who is the Assistant Director of New Student Programs at Towson University. To give you an idea, his main focus is the family orientation, which originally was not what we were going to talk about, but became a big part of the conversation because we had never had anyone on the podcast talking about family orientations before. So he talks about how they structure it, how they fund for it, and what the process of their family orientation, like the flow for the day. And then we actually did spend some time talking about what we wanted to originally talk about was how uh, Sylvester is multiracial. Uh, He's a multiracial male in student affairs and trying to understand uh, how that identity has shown up for him in his grad work and then ultimately into his uh, his current career uh, as, as as a student affairs professional. And so he talks about some resources that if anyone's looking for something that uh, either to for themselves uh, that they are multiracial or they have colleagues or they just want to understand and broaden their perspectives uh, and understanding of, of those who may not be exactly like them, the, he gives some resources. With that, I want to go right to it because this is a longer podcast than normal. So here it is. Enjoy. All right, Sylvester, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Hey man, I'm glad to be here. I appreciate it. All right, absolutely. And where in the where in the country are you calling in from? I'm currently uh, in Baltimore, Maryland. Ah, Baltimore. And where? Uh, what school are you at in Baltimore? I'm I'm currently at Towson University. It's just north of uh, of Baltimore City. Yeah. What's something about Towson that most people don't know that, but it's like a unique aspect that maybe they should know, or would be surprised um, to know? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, I'm from the area, and so uh, when I graduated high school, I didn't really know about Towson. Um, it was kind of like this sleep, sleepy commuter school. You know, you went, you went, you went here if you didn't get into Maryland <laughs> or you didn't get into College Park. Um, but when I came back uh, to work here, like I didn't know that it's the second biggest univer- public university in the state and is growing, and it's a good liberal arts education. A lot of th- I think a lot of people don't know that. Um, yeah, I think people. People probably recognize Towson for you know Amy Schumer is our famous alum. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And uh, and Brian Stelter from CNN is a famous alum. I think people know TU for that, but but you get a good education here. You get some good leadership. So that's that's one thing that kind of I think surprises people when they hear about us. Yeah. And uh, what is your position and how long you've been there? Uh, I'm the assistant director of new student programs. I've been here for about uh, three years. It'll be three years next month. Uh, so I'm in charge of family orientation, family programming, and our orientation staff uh, recruitment and hiring. Yeah. 
Is, and sorry, when you when you say family orientation, you're not on the student side; it's just the family side. Uh, I dabble in the student side when I first got here. I was, I was mostly working with freshman students or first year students, um, and then I kind of transitioned to family uh, orientation. We really rebuilt our family program here um, to a point where we got thousands of family members coming because they want to learn about TU and how they can support their student and how they can be involved. So it's been a it's been a labor of love. You can say that. Yeah, and just to sidetrack on that conversation for a little bit is, uh, has that what's changed with family orientations over the years? Well, it used to be, um, particularly for us here, it used to be like you'd come in, we'd lecture at you, and then you'd leave. It was kind of, it was kind of like a you know, let's let's get you the stuff and kind of get you out of the way. Now it's more like we're welcoming family into the fold. Um, you know, trying to be as inclusive as possible, knowing that we've got some first generation families who are coming in, and for them. Every, this is an experience for everybody. And then we have families who have sent like five students to Towson and they're like, Oh yeah, I know this. Hmm. Like just what's new. And so we try to create a broad based program that, that can kind of like, try to meet every need, but let people know that they can be supportive of their student. And they, there's boundaries that, uh, that they can negotiate with their students so that everybody can be successful. And I always say at the end of every session, like my goal is in four years from now, you're back here, and it's graduation, and your students crossing the stage, and you're and you're as happy as happy could be. Like that's my that's my goal is to get everybody to that moment, which is going to be it's going to be awesome for everybody. So yeah. Here, here's how we can get there. So. And what? Because I I know some campuses do uh, parent orientation or family orientation. Um, many don't, and because they just don't have the staff or the support for it. Uh, what yeah. what uh is what what are the trends in family orientations that are out there that you're seeing that you're implementing? Um, I think uh, we're really looking at uh, that inclusivity piece. Um, we know from from our data here at Towson that there's a good number of family members that aren't the traditional mother father pair. Uh, we've got aunts and uncles and nieces and brothers and sisters and spouses. That, that typically kind of bear that quote-unquote parent role. So for our program, we don't say parents. Like we, we've scrubbed it from everything we say. We say families and supporters because we know that there are people who are involved in the process that aren't that aren't the traditional mom and dad role. And we also know that knowing our demographics here in Maryland, we have a lot of first-generation families who are coming in. Um, and so we treat it as like this is an experience for everybody. And we don't take, we don't look at it from a deficit lens of you're a first gen, you don't know anything. It's like you're here for the ride too. We, we want you to enjoy this as much as your student is because this is this is a it's gonna be a fun time for everybody. And it's also stressful too. So we're gonna give you the tools that you need to succeed. And uh, there are a lot of good good orientation programs across the country that are that are doing that, and they recognize their communities and they're able to tailor the program for uh, for the needs there. But you know, from what I've seen from my colleagues is that inclusivity and understanding that if we take a deficit lens from working with some of our families, then then we lose sight of the fact that everybody's in this journey together. So Yeah. How do you make it so that it's not just talking heads at family orientation? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my style is just to say, like, uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna do PowerPoint. Okay. Like, we're just not gonna do it. Um you know, we're going to use like interactive tools and you're going to have to learn like social media. You're going to have to do these kinds of things if, you're going to, if you want to get up in front of these families. And, you know, that's just my style of like saying that. But, mm-hmm. 
Uh, my campus partners have been pretty receptive to it. They're like, oh yeah, I don't want to lecture 27 times. <laughs> like, then don't. Like, let, let's have fun with this. Let's make it interactive so that people leave like, oh man, I got a lot of good information out of it. Um, Is that so how many times it happens? Do you do 27 orientations with them? Yeah, we moved to a summer model here. Uh, last oh, okay. year it was 27 uh, days um, yeah. over the summer. And I think this year we cut it down to 23. Um, yeah, we're, we've, we've shifted some stuff around, but... Um, yeah, we just got rid of the death by PowerPoint, as somebody called it one day. Yeah. Um, we're moving away from that to, you know, online polling and pair shares, and we've got some, some unique things coming down uh, in the future that we're excited to kind of try out. So That death by PowerPoint, I, cause I, I, I do a lot of flying for the work I do, and um, on planes I'll be sitting there and I'll see two, plane, two seats ahead of me, someone will have their PowerPoint deck open and they'll be working on it, and it's just the worst of the worst type of deck. And I always thought it'd be a great reality show to somehow basically ambush them on the plane, and we have only the plane ride to go to fix up their power de- their PowerPoint deck, so that it's like it's actually good because no one's going to want to read that eleven point font with sixteen bullet points and no images. No one's going to care. You'll put everyone to sleep. That was my sorry side tangent. <laughs> well, I would I would say let's 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 change it up a little bit rather than like a cross-country flight, make it like a 45-minute, oh, you know, yeah. New York to D.C. flight, okay, you 45 <laughs> minutes, go, you know, almost like a chopped or a, like, right. fix this house, right. you know, PowerPoint style. That I'd, I'd actually watch it. Yeah. I mean, I'd be on pins yeah. and needles, like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. <laughs> and everybody else would be like, what are you doing? Like, this is crazy. Right, right. And secure, TSA would block me from all flights. I'd be, I'd be banned. Yeah, like, you're, you're, no, sir. You have too much fun with PowerPoint. Like, right. we have a limit. Right. Uh, has have the numbers of people of, uh, of family members attending, and I'm getting used to that now too, based on what you just said. The number of family members attending has it increased over the years? Are you seeing the increase? Um, we have here on our campus. I can't speak for anybody else, um, but for us, we have. I think it's because we've 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 you know we offer like last year we had like 3,200 registered family members. Um, the year before we had about. Uh, 1200 yeah that's because we offer so many more sessions uh and you know we 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 openly were saying hey listen this would be an amazing opportunity for you um it's 25 dollars per person we include lunch you know we'll we'll move you around campus um and you leave with a a wealth of resources and we saw that you know a good number of our family members were like yeah it's a long day but you know they got a lot out of it um but yeah we're expecting another you know, we're, we're projecting like 3,500 registered family members. This wow. Summer, so, yeah. And, and, and so they are paying for it, so that helps mm-hmm. offset the costs to the oh, university. Definitely. Yeah, my, my thing is they get their money's worth. They oh, do. sure. Um, we, we, give, we give them a grab bag. Uh, this year they're going to get a 12-month calendar um, with dates on it. Uh, a colleague, some colleagues across the country use, you know, use that model. We'll move into that. Um, they get a resource guide. They also get a pack of tissues because <laughs> tears do flow. You know, when we talk about, hey, listen, this is how you, you know, bed size and, um, you know, you know, dining room plans. It, something just hits a family member. It's like it hits them. It's like, well, it's real. Like, like they're leaving. If this is going to happen, so we have tissues um, because they definitely get used. That's amazing. I yeah. and I assume then you also the school puts a budget behind this as well. 
Um, we are, our family program self-supported. Wow. Yeah, so we, um, you know, we, 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 we self-support everything on our end. It, but, but we're also very cognizant of, you know, we don't want our cost to be, like, incredibly high. Right. You know, I was, I was adamant when talk, speaking with my bosses. I'm like, hey, we can't do it any more than 25 bucks. Yeah. You know, let's, let's, let's keep it, let's keep it low. And then we also kind of have waivers in there as well. So if we have a family member who's like, you know, I've lost my job, like, I can't pay 25 bucks. Don't worry about it. Like, we'll comp you, come yeah. on in, get your resources. You know, we're willing to do that. And, you know, I make it a priority to make sure, you know, no, no matter what your situation is, if you want the material, you want to be supportive of your student, let's get you the material. Let's just do it. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I, I know this isn't what we were supposed to talk about in this, in this interview, <laughs> but I, we definitely have not had anyone come out and talk about parent or uh, family orientations. And I know it's a growing trend and it's a hot topic, yeah. uh, especially with Gen Yers. And, and, uh, and so I'm just, it's, it's a really, it's a great topic to talk about. Um, yeah. And, if you don't mind, can you share just a flow, uh, an overview of what your your day would look like for a parent orientation? Or just a rough overview. You don't have to get micro details, but like, what would the flow look like? So, if I were setting one up, what would I what would the outline be? Uh, we we're, uh, so our, our model this year is we're probably going to start around like eight a.m. We're gonna uh, we have like a resource fair, get coffee. Um, we know if we know folks are driving, so like you need some coffee. Uh, we'll begin around nine-ish with a welcome, welcoming everybody, uh, have a VIP speaker, welcome to the university, we want you to be happy, and then uh, we split everybody up. We split the students up and the families up, and that's usually the hardest part is some families like, but I want to go with my, my student. Like, nope, no, no, come on with us. Like, everybody gets a orientation <laughs> too. Uh, and what, we, what we're doing this year is we're, um, we're doing like a, like a oh, what's it called? We had, a, we had a funny name for it. It used to be, uh, we're talking about the different generations, mm-hmm. uh, and we moved away from that because it kind of felt like we were beating up on, on like the younger generation of students coming in. Like, they don't know anything, and so we're moving away from that. And we're talking about, okay, so here are some of the, here are some of the trends that we see, but here are some of the awesome things that our students are doing that we see here, and this is how family members support, um, support them with that. And so here's how you can kind of do it. And then it's like providing resources. Um, so... You know, talking with like housing in our billing office, and you know our student affairs divisions, and our police department um, about you know, like, okay, this is what we do to make sure your students fine. Yeah, and this is what you can do on your end, you know, to make sure things are okay. So we're we're moving away from don't do this to the this is this is what support looks like. You know, healthy and happy support, understanding your own cultural context as well. Um, so it's not a like a list of do's and don'ts. Is it's more of a here's like some of the some of the tricks of the trade that we've seen, uh, that really work. And, you know, you add your little flair to it as well because you know your student better than we do. Um, so that's pretty much a full day. And we have a lot of student staff with us that answer questions. Like our, our orientation leaders that work with families, they they, they get they earn their pay. Yeah. They do. Our family members ask them, ask them good questions. And are these orientation, are these student orientation leaders, are they separate from the orientation leaders that would be with the students? Uh, no, no, it's one combined staff, yeah, but we cross-train everybody, so okay. everybody gets that experience. So how closely do you work, then, with the orientation, the student, new student orientation people? Fairly closely. Okay. Uh, very closely, because we want to make sure our schedules are aligned. Yeah. Um, 
so we know where everybody is at a time in case we, like there's an emergency uh, we have to grab somebody or a family member gets sick and they have to go home or a student member gets sick and they have to go home we know where everybody is at once so we're pretty much in sync yeah and does the whole day uh, does does your department for parent uh, a family orientation and does the new student orientation person do you both report to the same person like is there someone that oversees yeah, both of them yeah we do what we is that to the same boss yeah what is that hierarchy like title wise um well, we're changing a little bit, so um, we have a coordinator who handles like transfer orientation because we have a lot of transfer students on our campus. There's yeah. me, uh, and I'm an assistant director, and then there's a director. We also have a program uh, assistant who who works with the freshman orientation as well. So it's kind of a it's almost like a team approach. Okay. So, like I said, the communication is you know we're on point with everything. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a, a couple more questions on this, and then we never even got to who you are. So <laughs> we're gonna go back. Yeah, we're gonna go back into that, and then and continue on there. Uh, if you were, if you were to, uh, with, with oh gosh, this is, if there were, um, what? Sorry, you had mentioned earlier that certain schools are doing family orientations really well. Do you happen to know those off the top of your head that we could highlight? Um, I know for us, we looked at a few that that we were really, um, you know, we had some models uh, that we looked at when we revamped ours. So I would say like Arkansas, uh, Clemson, uh, North Carolina State, uh, South Carolina, um, um, let me think who else, uh, the University of Maryland at College Park, they do, they do some great work with families. Um, and then there's colleagues that I I, I talk with a lot, uh, like the University of Memphis, um, Cal State LA was one that you know we looked at when we we're looking at you know serving like our Spanish speaking families. Because uh, I chatted with them at a conference and they had some really great resources. Uh, let me see what else. I know I'm going to miss some, and if you're listening and you think your your program is awesome, and I don't say it, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, you know, Tom is like throwing this at me, and I'm trying I know, to get as much I know. As I can. But it's like the, it's like the award some, ceremony. There's, some, the, the, there's an association called AHEP, um, the Association for Higher Education Parent Family Program Professionals. Um, that's the that's the professional association for those who work with families. Um, I would say that's a great resource to check out as well. Um, oh, Hofstra is another one. I can't forget about Hofstra. Um, yeah, but AHEP. Um, H A H A P. A H E P P. <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's, it's 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 one heck of an acronym, but yeah. it's it's a good resource. Are there other re- resources? That was my follow up. Are there other 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 resources out there? Like, um, are there any books written? For us, um, we use the I think it's the National National Resource Center for, for the first year experience. Yeah. Um, they do. Uh, they have guidebooks for uh, like navigating the first year and for commuter students, and they offer the first year guide in Spanish. So we purchase all three. So every family member who comes gets one of those books. They choose, they, they choose which one they want and we make sure that they get it. Wow. Um, that's been a valuable resource for us is, well, hey, listen, you know, in this book or there's like some really great tools and techniques. And I actually, uh, my goddaughter is at uh, the University of California, Davis. Um, and so I bought the Spanish guide for her mother uh, and said, I want you to read this as you prepare, you know, for her to go off to school. And she probably read it like six times, cover to cover. Wow. She was like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready for school. And so it's a, it's a fantastic resource. And, and I didn't know about it until I went to, I went to Ahab and someone suggested like, Hey, we hand this out. And so we, 
we do the same. So you get a good, lot of good knowledge sharing. Yeah, we'll and, definitely and we'll definitely link that in the show notes. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. All right, I. I Want to pause on parent or man family orientations? Uh, <laughs> You're catching yourself. I am. I am. That's hey. First step is first step is awareness. Um, yeah, and, that's right. And I certainly was not aware of it before, but it makes total sense. It makes total sense. Uh, and and it's also I don't know if you heard that parent orient. Uh, this happened at um, uh, Google last year. They did an employee orientation for their new employees. Uh, that were fresh out of college, and alongside that, they had a family orientation. So now, at the yeah. corporate level, they're also acknowledging this concept of the family orientation, uh, which is yeah, that's that, that's wild. I know, and they're, and they're also corporations are now understanding that orientations aren't talking head one day things. That it's all about on ramping this person into the culture of the community, mm-hmm. and it, and it matters. Just like colleges have known this for years. And so that's why there's lots of resources around these orientations. So it's interesting to see corporations starting to pick up on that and do very similar what colleges are doing. Uh, With that, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Now that we're 20 minutes into the the conversation, uh, I I just rolled right into it. And and I apologize, sort of, but I also was super interested in that topic. So uh, how about we backtrack a little bit and can you... uh, can you share with everyone your journey that you got to where you were to where you're at now in student affairs? Okay, uh, so name is Sylvester Gaskin. Uh, preferred pronouns are he, him, and his. Uh, how did I get into student affairs? Uh, it's a funny, funny, funny story. Um, I, I was an undergraduate student at Iowa State University. And um, started my sophomore year, I, I started working in the residence halls in a, in a learning community for a uh, for students of color who are in engineering. So I was, a, I was an engineering major in college, uh, and I was working as a, as a, as a mentor, and I'm in the residence halls, and I'm doing work, and um, a, a, a friend of mine, you know, who I still talk to, you know, as, as often as I can, was like, hey, listen, you know, you're actually really good at like this education, teaching kind of stuff. What do you think about student affairs? And I'm like, ah, you know, I want to work for Boeing. Like, I want to make the big bucks. Like, <laughs> that's, that's why I'm here. Uh, but the more I thought about it, I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. And so um, I actually met with our vice president for student affairs at the time, Dr. Tom Hill. And um, he was like, hey, man, you should go into student affairs, man. You'll make a lot of money. He's like, it'll be good for you. And and I didn't realize that he was kind of joking it, but I'm like 20. And I was like, hey, man, money sounds good to me. And plus the economy wasn't doing so well at the time. Yeah. So I went to grad school for – I stayed at Iowa State and went to grad school uh, for higher education. And uh, – you know, just kind of progressed from there. I was doing diversity work. I worked in multicultural student affairs. Um, my first my first professional job was was in the Midwest, and probably a couple of years after that, I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm I want to do something different. Um, so I actually moved to K twelve teaching, and I moved to San to the San Francisco area. Um, and so I was there for about four years. I met my partner, got married, um, and I'm working in in. In an elementary school, I'm kind of like I kind of miss student affairs, so I actually jumped back. I moved back to Iowa, so I went from Oakland, California, to Ames, Iowa, within spent like three days, you know, on the drive. Yeah, back into higher ed, and um, you know, I was back at Iowa for a couple of years, and then um, you know, I, I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm originally from Maryland, so I'm like, maybe it's time to come home, uh, you know, be around my family, and so now I'm here at, at TU. That's, so that's great. That's, that's how I got here. 
Cool. And then looking forward, when you when you see kind of where you're headed to, what is the what is the the ideal career path for you? Uh, for me, I'm, I eventually want to get to a dean of students level um, because I've been impacted by several deans that I've met in my career, and there's that that you still have a connection to the students, but you have this like responsibility, um, and so you'll get information, you'll feed information up. And then you feed information down, and plus the deans that I've met have been like really chill. They're yeah, like, we know you know students are students, and we keep a level head, and you know we make sure that they're safe. And if something goes on, something goes on, like we're we're there. So it was it was like like that level of of responsibility that was like okay, I kind of like I can do that. And it's so a- someone asked me if I wanted to be like a president of the university. I'm like I don't think so. Like, <laughs> I don't know. You know I. I that said, let, let me get to a dean level and let me reassess when I get there. But you know, ultimately, that's where I want to kind of take the career. It does feel like I'm going through all the deans I know in my mind right now and, and reflecting on them, and they all have this this Jedi kind of calmness to them. They were they they yeah, um, they've seen a bunch, I think. Yeah, I, I, I uh, someone asked me I'm like, what was the dean that really inspired you? And I said, well, it wasn't an actual dean I met. It was from the episode of Simpsons. Um, where Homer goes back to school uh, and yeah. he watches like a movie about college and he, and he finds like the dean is like this jerk and he's like I really don't like the dean and he actually goes to like Springfield University and the dean's like really cool. Huh. The dean's like hey listen you know you're here I play a bass guitar like you know yeah. coming on the quad and Homer just hates him for some reason <laughs> and me I'm like I want to be the cool dean that Homer Simpson hates. You know, just <laughs> That just for some reason that's that's like the the, the dean image I get, but but in, re- in reality, the deans that I've met have been like, yeah, we've seen a lot, but we also understand that you know for a lot of the negative things that we see, we see a lot of good students yeah. that do some awesome stuff, and we're right there to see it. Yeah, like, that's that's where I want to be. And it pushes you it pushes you a little bit of further away from the front lines, though. Working with the students is one of the challenges I've heard about moving yeah. up in the career of student affairs is that we typically people get into it because they had an amazing undergraduate experience and they just want to continue that and they do and then they're front lines with the students right off the bat whether it's an RA or RD or something something in that space where they're right there with the students and then to advance their career they move up that ladder but that pulls them just a little bit further away from the students and eventually there's a there's a barrier um, and I know some deans really work hard to, to not allow that to happen yeah, and I think that, that, that I've seen deans that, that do that. They're, they're very intentional on, I need to be out there with the students. Um, and I've learned from some deans that they make that a priority. Like, the decisions I make have to work on the front line, so I need to be there to make sure they work. And so for me, that's like that's a model I need to, when I get to that point, like that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, it works for them. It works you know, in some other places, and I want to do that because I think you know the staff and the students deserve that, so... Yeah, and you alluded to this earlier when you're when you're talking about your career, your path to where you're at now. That you were undergraduate, you were, you were engineering, and you were in a uh, a res hall that was specifically geared towards uh, minorities in engineering. Is that correct? No, I was in a learning community. A learning that was community. geared towards that that community, but we were in a we were in a huge residence hall. So. Oh, okay, gotcha. So it was a it was a learning community. Got it. And and yeah. so uh, one of the things that you had. You and I talked about ahead of time is is first being male uh, in student mm-hmm. affairs, but then also uh, uh, multiracial as well. And I'm just curious, yeah. where has that just in terms of your journey, um, 
where has it, is that it, we can go either route because obviously they're both a unique experience. Um, knowing that there are more females than male in this industry, but also um, also being multiracial as well. Um, when did that start for you recognizing in the world of student affairs that that was that was something? I think for me it was um, it was grad school. Uh, you know, I went to a PWI, and so like I already knew I didn't. You know, I didn't kind of I stood out. You know, I was I was a man of color in in an engineering discipline, so I really stood out there. Yeah. There was, you know, it's probably like, like I said, I, I always tell people like there's three or four brothers that I graduated with. We all kind of stuck together. Yeah. Um, especially in a very tough discipline, but in, in grad school, it was that was that real exploration of of that multiraciality. Um. I was thinking about today driving in. I was like, you know, when did I really like start to think about it? It was we were doing uh, presentations um, on like different identity development of different communities, and multiracial was the last presentation on the last day of class. And so at the beginning of the semester, uh, the professor asked, "Okay, so she drew names out of a hat and was like, okay, so if I draw your name, you choose what you choose what you want to present on." And I was like number three on the list, huh. like, to draw names. And I said, multiracial. And my original intent was, it's the last presentation um, of the semester, so I have a whole semester to plan for it. So <laughs> I didn't go first, I went last. So yeah. my, my original intent was to be lazy. But the more <laughs> I, I dove into it, the more I was looking at, like, my family history. Like, I always knew. Um, I always knew I was mixed. Um, my mom's family is from Iowa. My dad's family is from Florida. Um, and so when, whenever we travel, like everybody knew mom and dad did not look the same. And we just always kind of grew up with it. It was more, there was more of an awareness in Iowa, uh, being with the white family. And, you know, I'm, I'm like the brown, my brother and I like the brown kids in, in the, you know, in grandma's living room. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, when I started to kind of explore it a little bit, uh, you know, for this project in grad school, um, I'm talking to other multiracial students, and I'm like, man, like there's like there's some similarities to our experiences, but there's also some unique ones that we all have. That even when we talked about like those unique experiences, we're all shaking our heads like, yeah, man, I've been through that. You know, um, yeah, talking about like dealing with family and being, um, you know, like if I if I'm walking with my mother in a store, people don't believe that I'm her son. Yeah, um, you know, th- those kind of experiences. Uh, I interviewed some folks who. You know, they were adopted from another country, uh, and they're in the United States, and they're de- dealing with, you know, different types of identities there, being adopted, or you know, being in a, in a different type of environment, and trying to, you know, explore identity there. So, um, I think for me, that that really, really started to, to, kind of come into it and realize that, you know, student affairs. I'm like, there's there's not a lot of, not a lot of folks. I'm gonna say a lot of folks, but. But you don't run across a lot of people who have, this, who have very similar experiences to you, yeah. um, and so it was it was kind of interesting. Like at that moment, it was like it kind of hit me. I'm like, man, and then my colleagues are sitting around like, whoa, like that's your experience. I'm like, yeah, like <laughs> kind of normal for me. But you know, for them, it was like this eye opening thing. So I'm like, man, we really don't talk about it. In, yeah, in higher ed. Yeah, and and do you? I mean, at the I, I have you do you go to NASPA, ACPA, ACUI? What are you going to any of those conferences? Yeah, I go to NASPA. Um, okay. So I'm, 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 yeah, I go to the multiracial uh, community knowledge community meetings. 
uh, and I, you know, kind of I try to do as much communication as I can through through online stuff. Uh, plus, it also helps when, uh, like, I I meet like Twitter has been amazing for me to meet other multiracial professionals. Yeah. Uh, and then when we when I'm at conference to meet up with them and talk like, yo, like, hey, like this is my experience, and we sit down and talk. Like, I met someone uh, at Noda. Um, we met uh, through Twitter and. You know, one night and we're done, we're just sitting there just talking about like our experiences, like our families and our backgrounds and yeah. how we got to this place. And we're like, like it, like it, it feels good to connect with just like another person who kind of understands what you're going through. And you're always, you know, trying to find this balance between yeah. which identity um, are you going to bring out today and which one will people see first yeah. than anything else. Um, so, but sorry, yeah, I, I say, look, yeah. look, uh, just on these resources, because I actually want to capture some of these, because there's people listening to this podcast that are in the early stages of their student affairs career, and they're probably searching for resources like this. Um, what Can yeah. can you point point us to some? I'd say, um, like, ACPA is, like, the multiracial network. I think that's the, the correct name. Um, sorry, you said, um, it, it's like, can you spell that one out? Yeah, ACPA. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, yeah, has, 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 a, has a multiracial network. I thought you said something else. It's like, oh yeah, I know. Easy. Okay. Yeah. Um, NASPA has the multiracial knowledge community. Um, uh, so those are probably the two resources that I know that I've, I've looked at. On Twitter, um, are there any hashtags that help connect? You know what? It's I haven't seen them. Maybe it's just because it's me and I don't see it. But I know every once in a while, there's there's usually. Somebody kicks up a hashtag. It's not student affairs related, but yeah. there was one I think a while ago. It was like being biracial. Um, Got it. And it was like you know, you know, talking about your experiences. And so anytime that kind of pops up, I I, I jump on it because yeah, um, yeah. There's one like a couple months ago about being in an interracial relationship, and you know, you know, my spouse is, you know, she's a she's a member of the of the Latinx community, um, and so I talk about you know I'm I'm multiracial. She's Latinx and. Yeah, and we've been together for a long time, and that's you know a unique combination. But you know we, we love each other, and and so you know doing those kinds of hashtags are the ones that you really have to kind of seek out to find. But I haven't seen like a like an essay chat version of like being multiracial. Yeah, uh, you know, in the field. So are there any are there any um, champions uh, that we could point to individual people that either you follow? They don't necessarily have to be in student affairs, but someone that you follow that you found a lot of. Either inspiration or guidance from around uh, this topic. There's a there's a few. I don't I, I don't remember the names off the top of my head. Okay. Um, if you, I, I, I know. Yeah. I was gonna say if you can just send them to me afterwards and we'll put them in the show notes. Forever. Okay. That'd that's be perfect because I'll need to I'll need to kind of think. About, I don't want to drop some names and then forget somebody. Yeah. That, that, that's, <laughs> You're so you know like the whole thing with the fam with the colleges and the families. I know I forgot somebody that does something. Someone's gonna call you out. They're probably gonna get back to me like you forgot about me. I'm like yo, I'm sorry. How dare you? This, yeah. this is your award yeah, ceremony, like, like, and you forgot the name. You forgot your mom. How could you forget your mom? Oh yeah, I'll never hear the end of that. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. We should just shout it out anyways, just in case. Even <laughs> every every ten minutes. Um, yeah. And so, how then in your role, in your specific role now, how does how does it how does it showing up for you, um, both the positive and the negative side of it, um, or the challenges side of it, um, as being I, biracial? You know, I think um, yeah, in my role, like with orientation, I think part of it plays out because of that diversity work that I've done in the past, where 
you know, I'm able to look at like family structures and realize that they don't look like the stereotype of, you know, you know, mother, father, brother, sister, like that, like the white picket fence, nuclear family, that families look different because mine looks different. Um, you know, my mother and father, um, got married in the air force, uh, and they moved across the country and, you know, they looked, they looked different than a lot of other couples. And, you know, me being a kid, like I saw that. Uh, and so I have, for me personally, I have like that appreciation of like family structures just look completely different. Um, and so you have to have that knowledge and respect that the family structures are just, you know, not what is traditionally put on TV. So I think that's a good thing that I see. I think um, when I talk with families, um, you know, some families will come to me and ask me, like, what's it like being a person of color on campus? And, and you know, that's kind of a hard thing to do. Um, when you do a family orientation, you don't want to give, like, the complete, you know, like, all the bad stuff. But, you know, for me, it's, it's kind of like, hey, listen, you know, this is where I come from, from my perspective and from my family background. And, and some family, some families, like, appreciate that. I think where the negative, uh, the negative um, kind of comes in is that people start to question, like, what are you? Yeah. And that's a persistent question I get a lot is what are you? And younger, I would say, you know, I'm a, I'm a man. Yeah, you know, like you know, I really didn't have that concept of, of multiple identities, but now people are like, what are you? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm a multiracial cisgender male. I'm a higher education professional. I'm a, I'm a partner to somebody who I care about, and I'm the I'm the one that's going to make sure that you get what you need. You know, that that's my role. That's who I am. And you know, some family, some families, they some some people get that, and I get the question from students, and when I tell them like, okay, this is my identity. Um, they, they they really get it. They're like, oh, okay, that's dope, you know. Like, this is what you know. This is my family background, and we can combine with that. Uh, with families, um, you know, it's it's a, it's a little different. It's a little uh, for me. It's a little anxiety inducing because you don't know like where the conversation could go. I think with students, when I have that conversation, it's like, oh, okay, that's dope. Oh, yeah. that, oh that's nice, you know. Um, so I think that's where it comes out that that questioning of you know, like what is your existence. I think that's something that. Um, can get a little irritating. Do you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I've heard that that conversation from from many people uh, that identify as something besides just white um, is like where, that question of where do you come from, and 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 it's one of those things that uh, is irritating when you're on the receiving end of it over and over and over and over and over again. But that one person, yeah, like, like, what's the harm in asking? But if you're on the receiving end, it's like, well, I get asked that a thousand times. Yeah, it's like every day never fails. Yeah. Um, so you kind of, for me, I had to mentally like prepare myself for it. Huh. I have my script ready. Uh, I'm ready to talk about it. Um, and some days it goes well. And some days, um, you know, it, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, you just have to. Like, All right. Well, here we go. So. Yeah, and if you were so if you were asked to go speak at a graduate program, and these are all students that are about to enter into the workforce uh, for the first time. And you were talking on this topic. Uh, what what advice or suggestions or ideas would you give them? Now, assuming this this group is going to be uh, all sorts of uh, uh, diversity, so you're going to have some mixed gender people, you're going to have some uh, uh, some purely white people, uh, and across the spectrum. I, I would say um, when it comes to, I'll come from the professional angle. Um, you know, being a professional in the field, you know, for me, (laughs) 
the first thing I say is like, like, don't be a jerk. You know, I think that that's kind of common, common knowledge. Like, be nice to people. Like, we know this. But the second thing is that you have to understand that everybody brings a different lens of humanity to the table. Um, and one thing I've always said is that everybody goes to their own little private hell, and you have to you have to understand that. But also, people have completely different experiences that are fundamentally different than what you you've been through. So if you really want to be that competent professional. You have to look at the, 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 the totality of what somebody's bringing to the table, and you need to make sure that you're willing to respect that. And when somebody tells you that they're going through things in life that you don't understand, it's not for you to judge or to, um, you know, say, "Well, you know, that's not how I experience it." Hush, listen, you know, internalize it. it makes you uncomfortable. That means you need to learn something. Um, and what I'll say, particularly about like being multiracial in the field, is that. Um, yeah, we, we are a, you know, a fairly small community um, in the field, but but we're growing. You know, the you know, if you look at our demographics of our country, we're becoming more. Uh, yeah. You know, there's more multiracial folks. You know, you know, you know, we're, we're we're coming up there. Yeah. And so you can see more of us in the field. And so understanding, you know, some of the unique challenges that we go through, that, that consistent questioning, and that. Um, that curiosity of like, well, what are you? Or that uh, being misrepresented, uh, I heard some call it misracialized. Yeah. Um, you know, even when you play jokes, like I've, I've heard jokes of people like, oh, well, you know, you're just light-skinned, or you just, you know, you're Dominican, or, you know, like you're Latin, you just don't speak Spanish. So I'm like, that's, thanks for, thanks for misracializing me there. Like, yeah. appreciate it. Um, like, when you do that stuff, it just, it, it just it just per, kind of perpetuate the stereotype of that that, we're, that we don't know who we are. Hmm. Um, so I say like you have to really check that. Like you may be joking of it, but I know for someone like me, when I'm like that, I'm like nah. Like I'm, I've, I've been in I've been in the field long enough to know like I don't. That's just not gonna work for me. Um, yeah. So does that make any sense to you? Yeah, totally makes sense. I get it. Um, and and certainly I I'm on the other side of it, being a, a white cisgendered male. Um, it, not having to be on the receiving end of that. However, uh, hearing, and, and part of the thing for me is just this awareness of just hearing and, and listening and understanding um, that there's a different way that people are are walking through this world and, and how the world's interacting with them. And that, for me, was a big step. I think my mom focused heavily on that growing up, um, trying to instill that concept in us because... It's so easy, and this is obviously this is a much bigger conversation. But it's so easy for me to be able to pull out of any situation because I don't have to engage if I don't want to. Um, because, yeah. Yeah. sorry, whereas whereas especially for you with with the color of your skin, um, you have to, you're there. It's you can't take that off. Yeah, and, and the one thing I've, I've learned being in the field, and I, I tell this to grads, no matter what. I'm like, you're going to get uncomfortable because yeah. your reality is not somebody else's. And so when somebody says, when somebody keeps talking about, you know, this experience is happening to me, you know, we as a field need to change. This is a time to be like, okay, so, like, what are we collectively going to do about it? Not just you because it's impacting you and it don't bother me. No, it's like, okay, so we have to do this because we know that we talk about the like, inclusivity in the field. It's time to it's time to actually show it. Yeah, um, and you. you and so I, I always challenge. Sorry, go ahead. I, I challenge grads. 
you know, and other professionals all the time. I'm like, you know, we, we talk a good game. Like, what are we going to do to show it? And so um, I know I have to challenge myself on that. Um, I try not to get um, – let, let me rephrase that. Um, I try to challenge the people that I work with every day. I'm like, you know, we, we have students who go through a completely different reality than what we do. And the reality is valid because it happens to them. Yeah. And I think the sooner that we get that and we work through our discomfort and we understand that this is their reality and it's going to impact us no matter what we do. It's going to impact us. Yeah, um, yeah. So, that, we need, so we need to have an understanding of how it impacts us and how we impact them, you know, good, bad, and otherwise. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and I, so I have one more question on this topic, and um, and then want to move into the rapid fire because we are so far over time. I feel like we we basically <laughs> we basically just recorded two podcasts, which is what we probably should do, but we're going to make it as one, and somehow okay. come up with a title that encompasses all of this. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, are there any books that you have read or you've recommended to someone else? Um, and, and the trick is here, there's two sides of this conversation. The one side is um, I, am, I am biracial and multiracial and I'm coming into the space and trying to understand that identity in this world. And then the other one is um, I want to understand it as, a, as, as, a, um, as, as someone who doesn't, wasn't raised biracial or multiracial and want to understand it more. And, and get a perspective on it. Um, are there are there books in your world that you've read or, or or heard from others that would be good to put out in the show notes? Oh wow! <laughs> no um, pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No pressure at all. Um, I'm certain that there are. I have to think about them. Okay, so you, uh, I'd actually have to look through my library to see what I've got. Um, but I think I know one thing. I'm very cognizant of not reading books that kind of perpetuate that tragic mulatto stereotype. Okay. Um, that's one thing that I know, you know, when I talk with other folks, they're like, yeah, that's the, the standard trope. Like, you don't want to read that one. Um, yeah. I, 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 I'd have to look at my library. Okay, cool. Well, dig, just, I got to dig for that one, man. That's a good question. I, I only give good questions. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> just like with the mentors, uh, send it to me afterwards and we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Okay. All right. So, Sylvester, uh, we're definitely way over, so I want to give this rapid-fire stuff. Um, as I told you earlier, this is uh, this don't overthink it. Uh, this is this is just stuff to find out who you are independent of your job. Ready? All right, let's do it. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Uh, what, gar- what, what is guaranteed to make any party better? Not having the party. <laughs> I'm an introvert. Yeah. If you say, hey, listen, we're having a party, I'm like, I'm not going. Yeah, right, not going. That's hilarious. What's the key to happiness? Dr. Pepper. If you could treat yourself to one of the quote unquote finer things in life, what would you treat yourself to? Oh, wow. Um, I drive a really fast sports car. Nice. What would you do if you really wanted to annoy someone? Really want to. I only think what I do to my partner when I really annoy her. Um, so I'm thinking too hard for this one. Mm. Um, I, I try to I, I, I poke her, you know, with a finger, like an arm, like consistent. You yeah. know, like my little brother would do to me. Yeah. Hey, 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 yeah. What what event or decision is proof that someone has grown up? Oh wow, I say buying a house. Yeah, that's a good one. I thought it was eating cereal for dinner and no one yelling at you. <laughs> I would say eating pancakes for dinner. That's a grown-up decision yeah, right there. Yeah, like but, breakfast but for you dinner. You can never go wrong with pancakes, like, any time of the day. So. I, di- I distinctly remember when I had, it was just breakfast for dinner, 
And my mom looked at it, and she just shrugged. She's like, it's your life. And I'm like, oh, snap, this is great. <laughs> and then I realized... The fact, a, yeah. the fact that I can do that at Denny's was, like, mind-altering. <laughs> like, I can have pancakes for dinner at Denny's? Oh, my goodness, yeah, that just blew my mind. I didn't know I could do that. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's one thing you're never shy about? Uh, my love of airplanes. What's the hardest thing for you to do? Um, be extroverted. And I work in orientation. Yeah, seriously. That's a whole other podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in what cartoon would you like to be a character? Oh, um, my nephew would say I should be in Bob's Burgers. <laughs> How will the world end? How will the world end? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, with a bang. Just Yep, all right. <laughs> hopefully it's not the bad bang. We'll oh, hopefully not the bad bang. Right. No, I'm hoping not, man. Right. Uh, if you owned a, a restaurant, what type of food would you serve? Oh, wow. Um, I'd probably do something style cooking like my granny, my, my granny in Florida. Nice. What's the safest place in the world? Safest place in the world? Mm-hmm. Um, my living room. All right. What's the least peaceful place in the world? Oh, wow. Um, least peaceful place in the world? I would have to say, um, my kitchen when my wife and I are trying to cook something at the same time. <laughs> that, that is elbow. I mean, we are like like basketball. Like I'm in the lane, she's in the paint, and we're trying to get that rebound. I mean, like get out of my way. No, get out of my way. It's it's not fun, but yeah. the food comes out delicious, and we love it at the end. So that's great. It's full contact sport of cooking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, two two final questions. Uh, if uh, what what piece of clothing just never looks good on you? You've tried um, it several times. You're like this, just never seems to look good on me. A seersucker suit. All right. Last question. If you owned a store, what would the title of the store be? Um, Sylvester's Goods and Sundries. <laughs> there it is. Sylvester, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this extended podcast. Uh, I know anyone listening is going to gain some some knowledge because we covered two pretty important but great topics uh, that I don't think either have been covered on the podcast before over 100 and some episodes. So it's awesome that we got a twofer with you. All right, man. I appreciate it. I'm uh, thankful for the opportunity. All right. Thanks. Take care. Talk to you soon. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you want to help us out, leave us a review and rating on Stitcher or iTunes, or just share out the show so other people can find all the cool stuff we talk about every single week. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast.